0: Hey, today we're going to do a, uh, a, a little bit longer passage. It's John chapter 6. Uh, funny story about my sermon. I worked and, and uh, yesterday I was at a coffee shop and I finished it up and I woke up this morning to print it and it was gone. I had It was totally gone. And then I worked and worked and finally it reappeared. So this is the disappearing sermon. I'm very happy to have my notes back, and you should be too, because it would have been really a long sermon if I had to wing this completely. Um, So we're going to look at John 6. It's actually 71 verses, so I am not going to read the whole thing this morning. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, read it for yourself uh, sometime this week, but but let me just give you the big picture of what happens in the chapter, and then we're going to go kind of piece by piece through it okay Um, Jesus is uh, got this crowd following him and he's going to do another sign he's going to multiply bread and fish he's going to take this little kid's lunch and multiply it so it feeds all the people now now in John's we don't really get a number of the people but in the other gospels sometimes it's 4,000 sometimes 5,000 it seems like maybe Jesus did this a couple different times so Jesus is going to feed the crowd they're going to get excited because they want bread they like food and uh, so Jesus is going to disappear. He's going to sort of leave. The disciples are going to take off in a boat overnight to, to Capernaum on the other side, of, kind of around the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is going to come to them walking on the water. And then they're going to be afraid. He's going to say who he is. But then they're suddenly going to be where they're supposed to be. And then the next day, the crowd is going to catch up with Jesus and ask him about where he was. And he's going to talk about Uh, Who he is and and why he did the things that he did and he's going to get the first of the I am sayings here So I've been talking about this in John. He has seven signs which we've seen a bunch of the signs Now Jesus starts to use I am sayings and so he's going to say I am the bread of life And of course he's saying I am the bread of life because of the bread miracle So we want to be able to put those two together now a couple things you got to know before we even get into the chapter though is how important bread was in those days. Okay, I was at Giant Eagle yesterday, and it was really nice. I could go get fresh produce, right? I could go get whatever I really wanted. And, uh, and uh, corn's not ready yet around here, but I could go to the store and I could get it because they ship it in from somewhere else. And I could get it and I could take it home and I could put it in the freezer and I could put it in the fridge, right? Think about living in a world where none of that exists, where you are just living based on whatever food you can get today. Like, literally, if your fishing's good, you might eat good. But if it's not, you might not eat at all. Okay, you live day by day based on the food you get. And so one of the main staples that you had was bread. Bread. And so every day, in in every Jewish household, in this part of the world, every every household, you had to make your daily bread. That's why Jesus says, give us our daily bread, because there's daily bread. Every day, you take a little piece of the bread from yesterday, and you keep it. So that you have a, a a yeast starter and you mix it up and then you make the bread for today okay so every day you had to make bread i mean and so bread is so much important part of the meal that even today if we say we're going to break bread with somebody we're not just eating bread we're eating we're eating what food food bread is like general for food because in those days there'd be a lot of days where people would only eat bread that's all they would have Okay, so, bread is so important. And it, this hangs out in our English language. The Latin word for bread is panera. So, one of my favorite places to go, Panera Bread, because I know the word in Latin. The name is literally just bread bread. That's what it's called. It's really kind of a stupid business name. But it sounds cool. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to Panera Bread. Yeah, you're going to Bread Bread. Okay? Now, why, is it, why do I know that? Because... Because that word paner still sticks around our English language. when I'm going to have somebody over, I'm going to have company come with Panair bread that's what I'm going to have bread with somebody, I'm going to have company. I'm going to have a companion. those are people I eat bread with and this this word paner, like like that's how important bread was to that world and it was it was a lot of times the only thing you might make it was it was the main source of carbs. And a protein that a lot of people get. In fact, most people in the ancient world and in Israel at this time, they probably didn't know what being full felt like. like the only time they'd ever been, they've ever eaten their fill was probably maybe at a wedding feast. They they just didn't know. They always knew hunger. They didn't know what being full was like. This is important, too, for especially the Jewish people, because bread becomes such an important theme in the Old Testament. G- in fact, John in this story is going to tell them that this is the Passover. This is Passover's coming. Okay? Passover has so much to do with bread. Because okay? God told them, okay, you're going to be traveling. You're not going to have time for your bread to rise. So you have to have unleavened bread. You have to have flat bread. And as a memory of that Passover, they have unleavened bread. In the Old Testament, there are 12 loaves constantly at a small table in the tabernacle. And then at the temple, it's called the showbread or the bread of presence. And when, when God leads the people through the wilderness, there's this stuff that comes down like bread and settles on the ground at night. It's, literally, it's called manna, but manna is literally a question in Hebrew. It says, what is it? Like, literally, like somebody walked out and saw the stuff on the ground and they're like, what is it? And they're like, yes, let's call it that. It, there was, so bread became the symbol of how God takes care of you. Right? That God will take care of you. But Deuteronomy 8 says man does not live by bread alone. There's this great story in the Bible where Elisha has a, a number, a, a army men and he these soldiers and he's got to feed them. But he's only got 20 small loaves of barley bread and he ends up passing it out and it multiplies. So it goes to all of them. You can see it in 2 Kings 4. So you see bread comes from Moses bread comes from Elisha bread comes from heaven and now Jesus does this miracle and opens up all this bread imagery for the people let me read the first part of the story John 6 starting in verse 1 after this Jesus went away to the other side of the sea of Galilee which is the sea of Tiberias and a large crowd that was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was following him, he said to Philip, Where are we to buy all the bread that all these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough to give each of them even a little. One of the other disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five loaves and five barley loaves and two fish. And what are they to so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's much grass in the place. Tells us this is the spring. So the men sat down at about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them among those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with, with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When he saw the sign when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. So he's got this large group following him, and they want miracles, that's what they want. They want miracles, but they're also hungry. They've been following Jesus around, and they didn't necessarily pack for all this. They didn't necessarily go into town to buy food. And so Jesus turns to Philip and says, Hey, Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? Philip Philip is, in the, Philip is in the story like the clerk of session, right? He's like, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Or okay, well, really, we don't have enough bread. Like we could 200 denarii, like several years worth of wages, we could probably give everybody a little bit, but we don't have that, okay? And then Andrew jumps in. Andrew is, uh, is here. He's like the, the trustees, okay? Uh, he's the head of corporate affairs. And he's like, okay, here's what we do have, everybody. We've got some resources. There's a boy over there with five loaves and two fish. Now, I wonder if he's really keeping track or if he's just been longingly looking at this lunch, like he's hungry. Like, I think I could take that kid. I'm, I'm gonna take his lunch. And and let's also just notice that five loaves and two fish is a pretty big lunch for a kid. Like Nobody ever says that, but five loaves, even if they're small loaves, like somebody's mom really wanted to make sure their son had enough food for the strip because this is a big lunch for a kid. Uh, Notice also, this is the B team, right? We didn't ask Peter, we didn't ask James, we didn't ask John, we're asking Philip and Andrew, okay? This is the JV. We're asking some of our JV disciples. Okay. So he says, have the people sit down. Can you imagine being a disciple? Some of the stuff you'd have to do like this. Like, uh, okay, guys, we've got, uh, we're going to, everybody sit down. I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Like, You're trying to figure out, like, Jesus has five loaves, two fish. And this is always fascinating to me. It never says how Jesus gets the five loaves and two fish. Like somebody has to ask this boy for the lunch. This boy has to give up his lunch. One of the heroes of this story, I think, is this boy. Because I don't know, when I was a boy, I didn't want to give up my lunch. (laughs) I would not want to give up my lunch. But this boy gives up his lunch to Jesus. Jesus has the people sat down. And then I love this. He gives thanks. He gives thanks. And the disciples are like, they, they had to be like, what the heck are you giving thanks for? You have five barley loaves and two fish, right? You're giving thanks for not enough. How often in our lives does God give us not enough and we're like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. God gives us not what we think we need and we're like, thank you. No, but Jesus gives thank you. The thank you actually precedes the miracle, not comes after the miracle. He gives thanks and it's partly in his thanks that the miracle can start they start passing out this little boy's lunch, and it just multiplies. It just goes and goes and goes. Now, some people have tried to say that this isn't really a miracle that the food doesn't, like, multiply, but it's really a miracle of sharing. Well, there's a couple problems with that. Number one is, at the end of the miracle, none of the crowd is like, hey, wasn't it great that we all shared our food? No. They, they, uh, they clearly are, are, are excited about Jesus, that Jesus had done something. And then number two... Do you know how much food this is? That everybody has as much food as they want, and then they take up 12 baskets of leftovers. The people didn't have that much food. There's, there's clearly a miracle that happens here. And they call him a prophet, thinking back to Moses. But but clearly in the Gospel of John, they're especially thinking of that story of Elisha. There's a detail in there that says it's barley loaves. And anybody who's hearing this story who knows their Old Testament in those days would say, Oh, well... But Elisha, Elisha multiplied barley loaves. Now, why 12 leftovers? Well, maybe 12 for the 12 tribes of Israel. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially when there's those 12 loaves in the temple representing the showbread. Maybe 12 as a completion. But whatever the number, this is clearly a miracle of abundance. Okay? Not everybody gets a little snack. Everybody eats their fill. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, some of the people in this crowd have never eaten their fill. They have not, they've never felt this fullness before. Now, I'm not going to read all the stories, so you've got you to gotta catch up on your own. But, but it's important for the story kind of what happens next because Jesus perceives, Jesus is so perceptive of crowds. Like when, when the crowd wants something, Jesus seems to know it. And so what he does is he withdraws himself, he goes up into the mountain. They want to make him king. Who wouldn't want a king that could feed you? Right? Who wouldn't want a king that could just feed you anytime you want? Like, hey, hey, God, I've got just a little bit of bread left. That's all right. We can do a lot with that. But Jesus, instead of capitalizing on his popularity, posting it to his Twitter account, doing interviews on news channels, he withdrew because he's not the kind of king that they want right now. The disciples, this. Jesus sort of disappears, and the disciples, I don't know, they, they must know that the next stop is Capernaum, so they're like, well, let's get in the boat, we'll head over there. And then in the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, now there's, the, the text says there's winds, there's kind of a storm. Remember, some of the disciples are uh, fishermen from those very seas. They know the seas, they know what to do, but, but they're having to work really hard. And here comes Jesus walking on the water, and it, and it freaks them out. And he, and he says, it is I... Or, here I am Don't be afraid And then suddenly the boat is no longer out In the middle of the Sea of Galilee But it's at Capernaum where they're supposed to be Like There's another part of this miraculous miracle Where all of a sudden The boat that was there is now where they're supposed to be And it's, a, it's an important note in, it's in the Gospel of John That when Jesus here says Here I am, I am here It is, it is Jesus starting the I am sayings This is the first of the I am sayings Kind of like here I am And then from now on, he's going to start to say these things like, I am the bread of life, to declare who he is. Meanwhile, the crowd wakes up in the morning, sees that Jesus and his disciples are gone. They start walking towards what they must think is Jesus' next stop, uh, Capernaum. And let me pick up in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. But because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not, do not work for the good of your parishes, For the good, for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. They said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. that You believe in, who, in him whom he has sent. So they said... Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you what do you perform Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat <laughs> Jesus said to them truly truly I say to you it was not Moses that gave you bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven For the bread of God is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world Then he said to them sir th- then they said to him sir give us this bread always Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But, but I said to you that you, may be, be, that you have seen him, and yet you do not believe. Although the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing, of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus understands, you know what this crowd really wants now is bread. They want food. See, earlier they wanted signs. Now they want food. But, but many of them are poor, have never really eaten before like this. And so he tries to get them to understand that, hey, what I'm really offering you isn't physical food, it's spiritual food. And so they ask him, like, well, okay, well, what do we do with that? Like, what should we do? He said, well, believe. Believe in the one who sent me. Well, believe. Believe that God sent me. Now we got a problem. It's one thing to have a prophet who, who does miracles and does bread, but to actually say that you are sent from God. That you are part of God's will and God's plan is a problem. And so they, they, they sort of like, okay, he can't mean that. So let's talk about this. What sign do you have? They say, remember, like Moses brought, heaven, brought manna from heaven for us. Like, what is your sign that you're from God? And then Jesus makes a correction. He says, now, wait a minute. You think Moses brought bread from heaven, brought you the manna. But he didn't. God brought the manna from heaven. And here we go. God is bringing bread again from heaven because I am the bread of life. So he's like, okay, you keep thinking that I'm Moses bringing good stuff. I'm the manna. That's what he's saying. I'm the bread. God sent me. God sent me and I'm the gift and I'm what you need for life. You don't need the bread from me. You actually need me See, he flips the imagery. I'm not a Moses. I'm not an Elijah. I'm the bread. And life now comes from me. But that's really hard for them to hear because that means all the other ways that God brought life, like the temple, the sacrifices, those are all going to be replaced then by you. Now you're the bread. Jesus goes on to say, if you keep reading this story, that anyone who wants to have eternal life will have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. Now he's just trying to tick them off, I think. Because remember... These are people who eat kosher. Okay? These are people that don't eat bacon. And you're telling them, well, you're going to have to eat my flesh. Yeah, we don't eat flesh, right? That's, we don't eat human flesh. That's definitely off the table. Not allowed to do that at all. And so they get mad. They get mad. The crowd can't handle it because, because Jesus is claiming so much more. He's claiming to be sent by God, the only way to God, the only source of eternal life he's saying that they gotta they gotta get him in their body somehow they want bread but what they actually should want is him and much of the crowd if you read the rest of the chapter disbands they get so mad that they leave like we can't handle this guy even some of the people who are called disciples leave at this point like this is too hard jesus even turns to his 12 and says hey do you guys need to go too and they're like no we're gonna stay The advantage they have is that they saw the walking on the water. But John even notes at the end of the chapter that even one of them is going to betray him. Speaking of Judas. See, when we hear these stories of the Bible, so often we we hear them as neat, cute, right? Oh, it's so amazing. He walks on the water. Oh, he he multiplies the bread. But when when we read a story and the whole crowd gets ticked, we should probably be offended too sure Jesus is doing some beautiful things right he can take small offerings and do big things that's cool that means you don't have to be a millionaire you don't have to have all these incredible gifts God can take your little lunch and and he can do something amazing with it that's a great lesson he knows what people need and he responds to it and he can do amazing things he can multiply he can make things better bigger but also there's some harsh words here right that if we actually start wanting for something from Jesus instead of Jesus, we're off to a bad start. That Jesus is actually claiming to be God. Listen, when you read your Gospels, there's no room for a Jesus. That a lot of Christians... i hear a lot of people and a lot of Christians talk about Jesus like, "Oh, he's a nice person. He had good teachings. We should listen to him." No, he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be sent from God, and uh, there, there's no like. There's no light way to follow Jesus. If this is true, everybody, if this is true, the whole rest of your life has to change. Everything has to orient around this if this is true. If Jesus really is who he says he is, your whole world's got to ch- turn upside down. Like that's terrifying. I can I don't know why you're not he- why you're here. This is scary stuff. Your life's got to be different. Every part of your life, you got to be willing to lay down before God. Okay? Everything that you think that you want, you got to be able to say, no, the real bread that I need is Jesus. It's scary. It's offensive, especially in our pluralistic culture, to say Jesus is the only way. But here's the good news. We have actually a little bit of an advantage over those people that are hearing this word because we have the rest of the gospel. Okay, So we know that actually when Jesus talks about giving over his flesh... That he's going to die on a cross. That he's actually predicting something. And we know when he talks about eating of his flesh. That that means we're going to have to take part in his, his sacrifice. His sacrifice is going to be important to us. And we have a symbol for that, right? It's called communion. It's called communion. And so this is also looking ahead to communion. We have this, this bread and this drink and this reminder. This ongoing reminder that where real life comes from. Where we really get to see the spiritual reality is what Jesus did and does for us. So we have this bread and we have this juice. And I wonder if on the night he was betrayed, the disciples were thinking about this. Remembering this particular story, remembering the multiplication of the bread. And they're thinking in their heads, do you remember how he said... He was the bread of life, and anyone who comes to him will never hunger, and everyone who believes in him will never thirst. And I wonder if they're thinking back to those stories where on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. We're going to communion, everybody, so if you don't have it out, get it out. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. The Passover bread, the unleavened bread, everybody. And when he had given thanks and blessed it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I wonder if he held up the bread and broke it the same way that he had when he multiplied the bread and gave thanks. I am the bread of life. Everyone take and eat. After supper, he took the cup poured it out, gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink you all of it. He gave thanks. And I wonder if they were thinking back to that conversation on Hillside, that conversation in Capernaum, as they each drank from the cup and thought, How odd this symbol, not knowing his death, was coming the next day. Take and drink. Let us pray Lord I thank you for this sacrament of communion Be poured out on those who partake That we may be your body That we may represent your blood here on earth Lord forgive us When we go after all kinds of other things Lord when we want bread from you Instead of realizing that you're the bread When we have all these other things we think will give us life But really, you're the thing that will only satisfy. Lord, give us a sense of that. Give us a sense of the freedom that gives us. Give us a sense of the opportunity that has to share that love with others like this little boy shared his lunch. Lord, forgive us when in our spirits we long for much more than you. Lord, teach us that you are enough. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.